Hello, I'm Ben Goldsmith from Balderton, and I'm sitting here with Sam Myers. The subject for the morning is cybersecurity. On the week that uh, the companies participating in the Cylon Accelerator program here in London have graduated, we're asking the question, is a cybersecurity-focused accelerator program warranted, or is it all a bit too much? Is it all a bit like hype? Sam, not to put you on the spot, but is the, is the cybersecurity industry maybe overhyped, or is it, is it warranted? All right. Thank you very much, Ben. So, so I think there's a lot of skepticism around this industry, but there's also a lot of investment going into it. So it's a good question whether or not this is all hype or whether there is actually enough of a threat that warrants opening up budgets and warrants opening up investments and having more companies um, enter the field and bringing in new technologies to, to, to battle the new threats that are out there. Um, and also whether it warrants having a cybersecurity-only um, accelerator in London. Um, and I, I came into this subject matter quite cynical as well. Um, there's a lot of investment coming into the sector. Um, it's actually increasing quite a bit as well. So whereas in, in 2013, there was about $1.8 billion going into the industry from VC investments. In 2014, it, it went up to $2.4 billion. So, so there's a lot of money going into this area. Um, Coming in with an original cynicism, though, it quite quickly changed when I looked closer at the data behind it. So uh, 2013 and 2014 were known as the years of the breaches, right? So we had um, J.P. Morgan Chase, which, uh, which uh, believed to have um, data compromised associated with about 83 million accounts. Um, there was the, uh, the, the Sony scandal where, uh, where uh, social security numbers were leaked. Um, and then also a, a, a range of different issues around some big enterprises like Home Depot and Staples. Um, so I think in, in 2014, there were about 42 million breaches recorded um, in that year alone. So, so if you look at the number of breaches detected, um, it's actually quite warranted. Um, and this, of course, has translated into, uh, into budgets being opened up. So you had J.P. Morgan CEO after the breach saying, okay, we had these issues. We're not going to double um, our budget per year. So we're not going to spend up to $500 million on security alone. Um, shortly after that, you had uh, Bank of America's CEO come out and say, well, you know what? You're doubling your, uh, your budget. I'm actually going to give an unlimited budget to security. So Bank of America opened up and said, we're, we're not going to have any limits to our spend in this sector at all. Um, so I think there is there is a lot of money in the sector, both from a uh, enterprise as a consumer point of view, as well as uh, VC investments. So so I think it is it is an interesting area, and we have seen quite good returns in companies in the space as well. And the investment you mentioned coming in, there's a lot of VC interest. There's certainly a lot of breaches, which means the banks are sitting up and paying attention. Is the money coming from anywhere else? Is it mainly financial services institutions that are opening up their budgets, or are there other types of organizations that are seeing up and taking notice as well? So it's, it's an interesting space because um, if you are someone who's trying to, uh, to, to get a hold of valuable information, the place where you'll find the most valuable information is close to financial services because there's a clear financial gain with with gaining uh, personal information of their of their customers, as well as gaining uh, gaining uh, confidential information and uh, and payment data and so on. So the financial institutions, of course, are the first targets. What we see is also that large enterprise in general are first of all detecting more breaches, um, and second of all spending a lot more than SMEs. So this might be a question of actually having a bigger problem or just a question of understanding the problem better. So they know that they have the breaches because they've been able to detect it, and so they're spending more in trying to, to, uh, to secure their, uh, their, their systems as well.
And, and you, you know, on the subject of detectable breaches, as you mentioned, you said a figure earlier on, was it there was 42 million breaches in 2014? That's right. Remember that right. What's causing those breaches? I mean, I hear a lot about, you know, BYOD, people, the fact they're bringing their own phone to work every day or their own iPad or whatever it might be, that they're mixing work information with home information, that kind of thing, transporting outside of the old school firewall. Is exactly. the old school firewall dead? Is that the, a big reason for these breaches occurring? I don't know that the firewall is dead. There's a lot of talk about the firewall being dead and the antivirus being dead. I think what's happening is that it can't really keep up the pace. Um, and so what's fundamentally happening with things like BYOD, with new devices coming into your network, is that actually the, the boundary that you have around your network is blurring. So it's now very difficult to secure your parameters completely um, and make sure that everyone who's not supposed to come in is staying out. Um, so that's becoming more and more difficult, um, and you simply can't keep pace with, with the likes of antiviruses and firewalls alone. So you need to essentially go from um, an understanding of if we get breached um, to when we get breached, how do we deal with it? So it's no longer an issue of, of can we completely secure our networks. It's more a management of risk that you need to, uh, that you need to understand. So we're saying that breaches are inevitable now. Yes. So w what's the method behind which a company can react to that? So there are a few different ways that you can manage this, right? And so um, the one that's, that's increasingly becoming important is to move away from network-level security to essentially uh, data-level security. So instead of, instead of keeping people outside of your network, what you're doing is you're, uh, you're encrypting your data, you're encrypting your messages and your communication so that when it does leave the network, um, it will be more difficult to use um, and it will essentially be less valuable to whoever manages to breach your network. And how, you know, how does that work in real life? Are there certain companies working on that problem or are there any good examples of data level security uh, out in the market at the moment? There, there are quite a few, right? So there are quite a few companies that are working on um, strong uh, encryption um, and actually a lot of open source initiatives in this. Um, so what WhatsApp has done, for example, is to use a, a, a quite... Um, quite strong open source solution to, to, uh, to uh, encrypt all the messaging that goes through WhatsApp. Um, there are then also um, a lot of companies that are focusing on key management. So key management is becoming an issue because now that you're, um, you're encrypting the data, you now need to move to a way to securely encrypt the keys because that's where your vulnerabilities might be now. Um, and so there are, there are a number of uh, companies that are looking into that as well. So a good example of this is so Porticore's uh, virtual key management, which essentially um, is a partially homomorphic key encryption, uh, which means that you can actually store the keys um, while they're encrypted and actually um, be able to decipher them without needing to fully decrypt uh, each of the keys. So there, there are some interesting innovations in this space. Uh, it, do, it does take a lot of computing power to, uh, to be able to use this kind of solution, though. The people that are coming up with these solutions, you know, you say the biggest opportunity maybe, or, you know, the, the, those who know that there is a need for cybersecurity and mostly financial services organizations, does that mean you get a lot of former financial services professionals in the space? Are they the people setting up businesses or is that a bit of a myth? It's, uh, it's partially a myth. I think there are a lot of, uh, of interesting companies now that are, uh, that are essentially run by non-traditional security um, entrepreneurs. So you see companies like, uh, let's say, Quiver, Quiver out, of, uh, out of Holland, who essentially have no uh, security backgrounds at all, but are uh, very strong on the technical side. And so you do get this outsider view, which is actually quite interesting in terms of the, the solutions that they come up with. 
Having said that, it's different from other spaces in that you do need a network of, um, of people who have been in the industry for longer. And so you do see quite a few uh, entrepreneurs coming out of BAE Detica. You see a lot uh, who come from uh, GCHQ um, and so on. So it is, it is a mixture of both. And does that mean that the investors look for something different? Like you as, a, as an investor in technology, do you look for a different kind of, uh, kind of entrepreneur or kind of, kind of business? It's difficult to say. So I think, I think there are more, um, for lack of a better word, gray-haired entrepreneurs in this industry that can actually um, do very well. Um, but having said that, I'm, I'm, I'm still unconvinced whether you necessarily need to be looking for someone with a little bit more experience in the field or whether you can actually have um, outsiders come in with new innovative solutions that actually work very well. Um, what is different here is that you need a very strong network. So if you don't necessarily have that background, you need to make sure that you partner with someone who does have the ears of the, of the, uh, of the chief security officers and who is able to essentially break through the clutter of all the new shiny toys that are coming out in the security field um, and really say that this is the one that you need to uh, pilot and this is the one that you, need to, uh, that you need to turn your eyes towards. So would that be your tip if you're a comparatively not gray-haired, younger cybersecurity entrepreneur that you need to gain that network within the kind of older school, gray ahead financial services organizations you and do, such like. So you do need to gain credibility, and that's one way of doing yeah. it. If you have strong advisors who are well-connected in the industry, that's one way in. Um, the other one, which is a little bit more difficult to achieve, um, which is actually more important in this industry than, than maybe some others, is that you need to have some very strong flagship clients um, that essentially give you the stamp of approval that you need to be able to sell um, to the second tier or the third tier clients. I suppose we mentioned them earlier on saying, is it all hype? And of course, it is not all hype. The, guy, the guys at Cylon doing a pretty good job of hooking up the young companies with those kind of, uh, well, not saying they guarantee clients, but at least making those introductions possible. Are accelerators such as Cylon playing a, a very decent, very important role in that kind of thing? Absolutely, I think so. I think the network of mentors that Cylon has been able to build up does have the credibility behind them. Like so, you. Like me um, and some other, some other even more interesting people. Um, so, you know, the, uh, the ex-CEO of Dark Trace, um, who has, uh, has had a, essentially a long career in cybersecurity, um, is a mentor. Um, we, saw, we saw people who came from, you know, F-Secure at, uh, at the event yesterday, um, people who have uh, have worked a lot with um, with security at Akamai and so on. So we they do have an interesting network of people that they can tap into. Thank you very much, Sam. I think we've had a, a pretty good bird's eye view of the cybersecurity uh, situation in Europe. I suppose. As is, is there, are there any other parting comments that you have? Any other parting comments? I think um, I think one quick uh, just just. Um, view on what it actually means to be a startup in this space is that okay. it is very, very different from other areas and that the lean methodology doesn't necessarily apply here. So um, sending out an MVP that can be tested and then collecting data on that doesn't quite work. Um, a security product that has any form of holes in it is uh, completely useless. So it's, it's really more about having a very, very good product that's solid and has no, uh, no backdoors to it. I guess even if it's 99% secure, it's not secure. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I see. Thank you very much, Sam. Thank you, Ben.